Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. Your host, Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, around the world on Arutz Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And Phil, welcome back. We had a couple weeks off and nothing happened, amazingly, while uh, while we had a, a little respite, a little rest. Thankfully, the world stopped. The president stopped making news and we really just have nothing to talk about. So let's just, uh, you know, Phil, how you been? I've been great. I mean, it, my weeks are not the same when uh, I don't get to talk to our audience and I don't get to see you on uh, Thursday mornings. And so it's great, great, great to be back. Um, yeah, there's there's been nothing going on. It's pretty quiet. I'm actually not sure what we're going to discuss today, but I'm, I'm sure you'll come up with something. So, Phil, I, I didn't think we'd be talking about this, but believe it or not, Nazis are back in the news. And it's there's so much puzzling about this whole Charlottesville thing. I'll just run down like the top three for me. Number one is how does the president just give, well, and, and we see it all the time. One day he's one guy. The next day he's a different person. The third day he goes back to reverts to the back, the thing, and he wants everybody to kind of forget at the same time you know, everything that he said. Uh, that's number one, because he doesn't seem to understand the idea of having an inconsistent message, and the people in the White House don't seem to understand the idea of having it, or even if they do, they don't seem to be able to do it. Number two is the reaction of the Jewish community with regard to, or particularly our community, the Orthodox community, with regard to Charlottesville. I mean, people in just seem to dismiss the whole Nazi thing. It's just like the white supremacist thing. And, and, and number three is at what point, and it's happened, but there just seems to be overall this, there, it's happening, the cracks, you can see the cracks, but at what point does, do Republicans in Congress just start to go their own way? And it's, it's you know, there are many of them who have said, well, what the president said, even David Friedman, the ambassador to Israel, said the president did not have an appropriate response. But of course... There just doesn't seem to be any recognition that we are headed in a direction with regard to this, with regard to race relations, with regard to everything that is just bad for the country, bad for America. So, Michael, you touched on a lot of points there. Uh, you were you were literally talking. You have plenty of time to respond. To yeah, no, <laughs> not sure if I can. We only have a half an hour show. But I want to start with this. As an elected official, and I was very proud to work with Democrats and work with Republicans and to find those issues where you can come across the aisle and find ways to work together, regardless of what it is. There's one issue that we can all equally agree on. Nazis are bad. I mean, when we talk about political softballs, and, and every once in a while issues would come up, right, in the community where it just was just, it was an easy, it was, it was, it's easy to have a comment. You know, when a reporter would call you about a comment about a certain issue where, yeah, I'm happy to comment on that, right? Because it was just such a softball. I would put the Nazis into that category. I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying this. In 2017, I can't even believe I'm saying, like, Nazis are bad. And so I had this conversation with someone last night who was struggling with this idea of free speech. And so they're entitled to free speech. And I agree. Let them rally. Let them protest. But to somehow equivocate. And again, there's no way to know who started the violence. I don't... I believe that there was violence. I believe that there were clashes. I do not know who started it. But let's just take a look at who the two sides were were you had the nazis and the people who came to protest the nazis right remember this was a white supremacist rally this was 
advertised as such. The people who came to the rally were there. Yes, the cause was a statue. And, but, but they were chanting, but Jews will not replace correct. us. Blood right? and soil, all the Nazi chants. And so the, the question is, is I believe in free speech. If they want to chant and they want to march and they want to do everything, you know, months and months of planning to that rally that they were able to put together. Great, do that. But it turned into violent clashes. And, and the day after... I'm going to take the side of the people who are opposing the Nazis. Now, that doesn't mean I support the rabble-rousers on the left or I support what is, quote-unquote, the alt-left or, or, or the, 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 the you know, sort of the, the anarchists on the left. I don't support them. But I can tell you that the thousands and thousands of people that came out to protest and to use their free speech, you, there's no moral equivalence here. Right, they came out to protest neo-Nazi racist bigotry, hate, anti-Semitic. I mean, the worst things in our society, in the history of our society. That's what these people came out to protest. And and again, the president of the United States, more than just being like, hey, what's his opinion? Having his own view, he is the president of the United States. Right, he has. On some level, I mean, it used to be, it no longer exists, the moral high ground on some level to sort of put everything in perspective, right? And to sort of come away and say, look, I may be supported by this one. I may be supported by that one. But like, here's what's right and here's what's wrong. And somebody once told me, you're not judged on what the populist wants you to do, or what your supporters want you to do. You are judged as an elected officials when you're willing to stand up against your base or against the populace to do what you think is right. And this was a test for once again, another test that President Trump failed miserably. Uh, and quite frankly, I think even I, and I shouldn't be anymore, was a little bit surprised. Yeah, I was I, I was surprised. Should I, mean, I should we have been surprised? I'll tell you what bothers me in general about this is the it, well, look, as I say every every week, what I what most concerns me here or what I like to talk about is is the politics and the political misstep here, the just lack of you know, and, and okay, so people will criticize and they say, Well, we don't care about the politics, we care about substance. People are are too engaged in spin anyway, and they're too engaged in in all the th things. But here you really see just how this was just totally botched. Uh, and the the money line, from my perspective, was not the fact that there was violence on both sides. Yes, violence on both sides, both sides were responsible. Is there were fine people on both sides, right? And the president basically said, "Well, you can be a racist, you can be there, you can be a part of the. I I disavow the KKK, I disavow Nazis, I disavow racism, but there were fine people on both sides. Now, I don't. First of all, I don't know that, and." I can't assume that the night before when you watch this video of these guys and then Vice News had this great documentary, which I encourage everybody to, to read. I'm not normally a scary, fan of Vice News. Scary, but, but scary stuff. That documentary and, was fantastic. Yeah, Right. I mean, the unrepentant, unabashed. They were no excuses about the violence, no excuses about anything. And people were just going on and on about how to, uh, you know, how they were going to take care of the Jews and for what for some reason, you, it's just totally ignored. 
it's just totally ignored. So, and, and not only that, and, and as you, I'm sure, have the same conversations, whether it's after shul, not during shul, but about the Orthodox Jews who, who once again dismiss this as the media, like they literally buy into these talking points. And I want to remind people because find people on both sides. I mean, anybody who knows history, right? There was classmates of each other, right? In the 1930s, classmates, friends, people who played softball together who were leading Jewish families into the concentration camps and into the gas chambers, right? Fine people. Right. We had dinner last week. We, 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 we played ball together. We went to high school together. And now my classmate in high school is leading me into a concentration that camp. That was the key thing of, of the good people. Fine the, people. The good people who... At, that, that To me, that was the most disturbing point of it, is that the... And the, the preppy look of many of the protesters, right? Not skinheads, but, you know, polo shirts and, you know, not heavily tattooed. I mean, it was like, that's generally acceptable. And they found an issue, which is now percolating throughout the country of statues and Confederate statues. And, you know, let's let's judge our history and cleanse our history of any issue. We'll, we'll save that maybe for later if we get to talk about it. But what what is so disturbing here is just this acceptance of the fact that anything... If you criticize the president now, if you criticize the his inaction or his inability to stand clearly against the alt-right or against – I don't want to say the alt-right because this isn't the alt-right. These are white supremacists. White supremacists. Okay. I, I want to be clear for right, correct. I don't want to – I don't want to – Correct. So not every conservative them. Republican or alt-righter is a white supremacist. Right. I don't even know what the alt-right is. I got to be – I per- personally – I mean I know people who consider themselves to be alt-right, but it, where the line is between a, a regular conservative and an alt-right person. But once you have gotten to the point where we're normalizing this – where we're accepting this and where people in our own community are are kind of accepting this because you don't want to fall into the leftist narrative trap, the media's trap. The media's, I, I mean, the one response I had to a number of people who, who, bought, who uh, asked me my, my thoughts about this in the past two weeks was – and basically accuse me of buying the media narrative. If if the media like you don't watch what's going if on. If the media keeps setting these traps for the president, why does he keep falling for them? If everybody knows that the isn't he smart enough to stay out of these traps? We're not talking about at this point, folks, a successful presidency. Okay, I have said this over and over over the past seven months. I would like this president to be successful. It's good for the country. We need a successful presidency. We need a government that works. Right now, it's not working. Right now, we are not accomplishing anything. If you look at the most telling picture, I know we're veering a little bit away from Charlottesville, but the most telling picture, and but Steve Bannon is, a, I guess, collateral damage from Charlottesville. Uh, the most telling picture is the White House picture, I think, on the first day where you have the president sitting at the Resolute desk, Mike Pence on the other side, Sean Spicer, Reince Priebus, Steve Bannon, Mike Flynn standing around him. Okay, actually, Mike Flynn was sitting. Okay, Mike Flynn, obviously gone very quickly. Okay, Sean Spicer resigned. Reince Priebus fired. And now Steve Bannon resigned slash fired. It's kind of unclear. Okay, that is not a successful White House. If you want to pick the best people, you obviously want to keep the best people you want them to be there now i hope general kelly will be successful i think he can be successful if in fact 
people he can get control over what's happening. Although this week, the, once a, again, was very telling. I mean, look. Well, right. There's no question. On Monday, he, on Monday, he was successful because Trump gave a very good speech on Afghanistan. Zero substance, but a good speech. A good speech. The, Tuesday, he was unsuccessful with the rally of Phoenix, but maybe he had to get it out of his system. And then yesterday before the American Legion, it's back and forth and back and forth. Look. Obviously, uh, Donald Trump has long had the talent for totally discarding what he said yesterday and creating a new today. Can, and that's a that's a good talent for a lot of people to have. And so there's this goes also, you know, from from the very serious to what many would quote unquote say the silly because there was a story that came out this week about the amount uh, about the Secret Service and the spending that the Secret Service is is doing with protecting the first family. Number one, they're protecting well more than they have in the past, right? I think they're they're protecting 41 people now. Um, in addition to the trips and everything else, there was something that I thought was fascinating was $60,000 the Secret Service has spent to rent golf carts to follow the president around his uh, Florida and New Jersey golf courses. But let's... let's Why six, would anybody need to rent a golf cart? I don't have... Michael, this is the funniest part because I don't even think I have an issue with that, right, in itself. Because if this is what the president wants to do, God bless. You know what I have an issue with? It's the hypocrisy. This was the exact same president that complained that Barack Obama spent too much time on the golf course. That is what bothers me. But here's what bothers me even more. Here's what bothers me even more. People used to mock. I mean, I used to hear it a lot because I'm, again, I'm, I'm the community Democrat, so I get these complaints a lot. People would would mock and complain. How can the President Obama do this? I mean, they would literally rip into me all the time. And I would go to shul and I would go into the community and I would go to gourmet Latin seasons. And this is what I would hear. However, when I turn around and say the exact same thing, oh, you're just playing what the fake media wants to tell you, silly things that are not important. You've fallen into that trap. Yeah. Why was it important five years ago, but it's not important now? And I just, there is such a double standard. This president, by the way, has set the, set the tone. We don't have to be truthful. We don't have to say, you know, we don't have to be honest. We could say one thing today and one thing tomorrow. We can unite the country today, by the way. I thought the speech on Monday lacked any uh, substance, but it was a fine speech. It was a fine speech. Right? The, the <laughs> Tuesday night was an embarrassment. And I, I'm going to admit it. I watched it all, at, I think, what, 90 minutes of it? I watched it. 77. 77 minutes of it. It is 77 minutes that I will never, ever get back. I thought it was must-see TV, truthfully. Oh, I think it was, it was, I found it very entertaining. I, it, it's, but actually, there we go with a great point. Now, the president can have great rhetorical points and he can dominate the news coverage and dominate the news cycle. And he's done that throughout the campaign. And I believe very much that's why he won, because everyone because he was something new. He was something different. And he, you never know what he's going to say. So you have to pay attention. And there is a lot to be said for that, particularly in as the showman. The problem is he's also the manager. And you have to also manage... Government has to run. Has to run. And we are facing some very serious issues. And instead of trying... The president makes a big deal. I, we want to get rid of the filibuster. Right? So he's, he's campaigning against the filibuster. But healthcare was a, not a 60 vote. I was, uh, it was a 51 vote. Took the words and right he couldn't out of my get mouth. 51 votes. And guess what? When you votes. are now going after Jeff Flake... And you're now going after Senator Caputo from West Virginia, and you're going after Lisa McCann, and you're going after John McCain, you're going, and you have an enemies list of different senators. You're going after Mitch McConnell. 
how are you going to get anything done? The, I, I guess the idea here is we're going to try and shame them into getting legislation passed. But truthfully, Phil, Didn't you've been around when No, but when does that ever work? Okay. I remember a time back in New York State, if you recall, there was a governor once, a couple governors ago named Elliot Spitzer. And when Spitzer didn't get his way, we're getting the controller his uh, picked, right? He didn't, to replace Alan Hevesy, they, the assembly passed Tom DiNapoli, uh, it voted in Tom DiNapoli. He went around the state criticizing individual legislators into their district and started campaigning against them, which was a shocking thing. You never saw that. And then eventually somebody said, buddy, you have no power here. What are you doing? You're in a fight you can't win. The problem is, all these in the the makeup of the Senate right now makes every individual senator really just as powerful as the president. So instead of trying to win them over, you're trying to. I mean, you're out there supporting a challenger to Jeff Flake. You're going to need you're, Jeff Flake. And, and, not and, in a year. And, you're going to need Jeff Flake in a few right weeks now, from now. You want you tax reform. You want huge issues. You want huge things. You want to get them done. How are you going to get them done? And, so, and and I think you know the president said over and over when when he was being elected, this was going to be easy. It's going to be easy. We're going to get it done. It's going to I'm be. I'm a easy. deal maker. It's what I do. Right. How many deals has he made? None with the Senate. None. He made one with the House, but then he called them mean after. So I'm not sure he's going to be able to make some more. It's well, that's you know with with the rhetoric, it's very difficult for him to do. But I want to end off the. Uh, I want to just end off our quick, uh, you know, with regard to Charlottesville because I did did mention David Freeman before, and a lot of people wanted to, you know, are kind of saying, well, 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 you know, David Freeman, the ambassador to Israel, who was who is a Trump supporter, has known Trump for for decades. They asked him, yes, uh, yes, two days ago. I'm surprised it took this long, by the way. Well, I, that's, I guess, the first time he had a public event. Maybe they asked him, and they said, and he's very tactful. He said, I think the reaction wasn't fine. Hmm. That's what he told reporters. Okay. I mean, I'm sure David's, David, and again, I, you know, not, you know, I'm sure David Friedman's family and friends felt the impact of the Holocaust and of the Nazis. And, and quite frankly, look, I've been in, pol I understand politics better than most. And I understand that there's certain things you can and you cannot say. However, I mean, look, this is a line. There is what we call softballs and, and lines that you just don't cross. And I, if, if the answer is, look, David Friedman is not speaking out in public, but he's making his thoughts and his feelings known in the White House and to the president, then great. Then I look. This is not me being critical of David Friedman. I, I hope, I hope, like many people said, Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner and David Friedman. We haven't even gotten to that, right? Yet. And so, like, they're that, gonna that, they're gonna hold the line for Israel and for the Jewish community. And I hope, I hope that that's happening. It didn't seem that way in the comments last week. It's not happening right now. And, I mean, actually, Israel lost a very... I wanted to get into that. Israel lost a very significant bureaucratic battle in in the national... As far as Syria was concerned. But essentially, from what's been reported and hasn't been disputed, the United States, in discussing with Russia the future of Syria, has agreed to... Has not mandated a solution in Syria that will include all the Iranian troops leaving. And that is a very important issue for Israel to not have the array. And for whatever reason, either they 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 lack the p foreign policy expertise or the national security expertise because many of the posts aren't filled. But this was a, a big uh, a f being billed as a big national security loss 
uh, for Israel, not by me, not by Trump critics, by is by Israel. Israel is very frustrated with what's going on right now with the. And remember, once again, the president said that making Middle East peace, well, he's going to be able to do it. It's difficult, but if anybody could do it, Jared Kushner can. The problem is once you create these expectations, you're setting up. Where's the embassy? You're setting up Remind to fail. Me where the embassy is again? Day one. Day one. Don't yeah, worry. Day I, one. I mean, I, w- I will say, and I, you know, I think we should spend just a couple seconds on on Steve Bannon and, you know, the, the impact of his leaving, before as well we, as, go ahead. No, no, no. Before we get there, and I, I want to just sort of close the loop because we talked about the rally this week, the campaign rally paid for by the Trump 2020 campaign, unheard of, right? Campaign rally this week where- Well, okay. Unheard of that it's so early. That it's, that, that it's this early. Thank right. you. Um, the crowd's- and again, I'm not going to get into a debate, but the crowd size are, but the speech was 77 minutes. It was unhinged. When he started talking about Charlottesville, he omitted the one piece that actually got everybody all upset. The president actually omitted, which was find people on both sides, right? Equivocating both sides. That he didn't talk about. But here's the key, and, and Washington Post reported this yesterday, is that people were bored. People actually started walking out. Now, I'm not saying that they walked out in masses, but there was a, and, and from every report, from the right and to the left, people were kind of talking. It wasn't as captivating anymore. I mean, the president, it's its almost like you say, it's a one-trick pony. We're saying the same thing over and over and over again. And so maybe they believe it, but like there's definitely getting tired of hearing it. And you're seeing it more and more that the president, look, the numbers now are pretty bad. They're at 32, now, 33, they're, they're 34%. As, they're as bad as, as numbers have ever been. They are going to get worse. I tell you that the base and whether it's because- Well, if the government shuts down, they're very possible they get worse. I mean, he's in he's he's backed himself into a corner here because he has now promised to build the wall. And so And he and obviously he has now admitted it or realized that Mexico will not pay for the wall. Therefore, that wall needs to be in the budget. And you are now faced with a situation, are you gonna shut down the government if Congress doesn't agree to pay for the wall. The wall is incredibly unpopular. In fact, it's less popular than, than the president is. Correct. And the, the fascinating to me thing is, is that people are stop, are no longer paying attention. There was a comment I heard yesterday. The president made comments I think over the weekend about NAFTA and how you know if it, if we can't find a way to get it to get it back together, we're just going to disband NAFTA. And normally, when presidents make declarations like this or statements like this, it could have an implication on the market. And I was I was watching yesterday, and I was listening, and, and again to. to Full disclosure, it was on MSNBC, but president makes these comments and the market no longer moves because eh, you know, no one's really paying attention. No one's really paying. It's, it's not, the president just says things. It doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't actually mean he's going to do something or not because the president will say something and do it. The president will say something and not do it. He'll say something else. I mean, he, there is absolutely zero substance anything the president says no one is taking it seriously and even his own supporters the five or six thousand people that showed up to his rally was started that's his base that is your 32 percent started to get disinterested right and that's what's gonna happen because at the end of the day people want to hear people are showing up for the show for the spectacle of it all and quite frankly president's got nothing left the fake media yeah okay thank you very much you've said that what else you got Oh, but the fake media. Yeah, okay, we get it. At at some point, people are just going to turn off the TV, or and, and like they did with The Apprentice, well, can change people, the channel. Can people turn off the TV? I mean, it's 
you kind of got to watch. I, I, you know, it's not just the junkies anymore, like us who are watching. Everybody's watching. So everybody I, I wants this. So I watched the rally the other night. I will not watch another one. Okay, that's you know, fair enough. Until the next piece of news comes. I mean, you're you're obviously sitting on the edge of your seat, waiting to see if he pardons Sheriff Joe Arpaio. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's I mean, that's a big thing. I mean, the amazing thing is we're in a country, we're in a situation right now where John McCain, a legitimate hero of. A, a man battling brain cancer, but a hero, a national hero, a war hero, is denigrated in front of thousands of people. But Sheriff Joe Arpaio, who is not, it's not civil. I mean, the man was held in contempt for insisting on racial profiling. That's basically what he said. I am going to profile you because of your race and ethnicity. I, not because you're a criminal. I happen look. I'm against sanctuary cities. I'm against because these people are actual criminals. Okay, I am. I am for criminals turning criminals over to immigration authorities. There is no reason that criminal people criminals should be in this country. But I am. I am not for pulling people over for driving while Hispanic. That is what. That's not America, and that's what Sheriff Joe was. And and now you're going to pardon him. I mean, that's you know he says, well, the pardon is drawn up. I'm not doing it right now. But that's what we've come to with this upside down world. That's not a leftist trap, folks. This is not leftist media. This is actually what America should be standing for. And I I don't know how we kind of we got away from that. We've gotten away from this world where you denigrate somebody like John McCain. At the same time, while extolling the virtues of somebody who is an unrepentant racial profiler, uh, you said it exactly right. I mean, that's and I, I think there are, there are always going to be people in the country who want to do that and are going to support that for whatever for whatever reason. But that's not what this country is all about. And this president so far has not proven ability to actually find a way to bring people together. I mean. Here's where it's, and I, I was. This is where it's actually going to start to matter because you know it doesn't matter if people show up to his rallies or not. It matters if Congress is willing to vote for his bills or his policies or not. And let's well, not, let's well, get not if you call Jeff Flake a non-entity. Let's get clear. He, Senator Jeff Flake, is that one vote that is necessary to get the debt They're all that to, one vote. But that's the point. <laughs> Everybody and so, is that one. And vote. here's the kicker. We're going into re-election, folks. And so that obviously bothers him. We're going into re-election. When the president is polling at 32%, there's going to be a lot of congressional districts that say to the president, don't come here. Please do not come to my district because you are not helpful. Right. Well, that's the, another thing from the speech, and I we're going we're gonna to end up using it all the time on this speech, but the president talked about how he won Arizona by huge margin. I don't know if he said huge, but whatever. But he said, I remember him saying it. Now, I think he won Arizona by like three points. John McCain won by like 15 points, right? So he has this attitude that he is wildly popular in these places and that, and that the, the sitting legislators, they all owe their, and he said this before, that they owe their election. He dragged the Republicans over the finish line. It's but, hilarious. but it's actually it's it's totally it's it's just as false as the three million people illegal immigrants who have voted in the last election that denied him the popular vote. All right, we got a couple other things to get to very very quickly. Uh, I just wanted to note the uh, a couple uh, a couple items with regard to the rabbis uh, the rabbis call 
which is, uh, and, you know, and we could talk about Jewish organizations' response or lack of good response in many cases to the Charlottesville massacre, but we'll leave that for a different for a different time. Uh, it's interesting that the Republican Jewish Coalition was probably more aggressive on Charlottesville, a secular organization to that is there to promote and support the president and the Republican Party was probably more aggressive against the president than several other Jewish organizations were who were more religious and the lack lack of 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 comment, the lack of reaction, the lack of backlash was shocking to me. And and quite frankly, folks, and I'm going to say this, those who don't learn history are are sadly doomed to repeat it. And so yeah, look, I know that the Jews in the 1930s felt very safe in Europe, and uh, and quite frankly, look how that turned out. Yeah, I also want to note the passing of Arthur Finkelstein, political guru for many New York Republicans, but also the man who brought Bibi Netanyahu to power. I mean, just uh, incredible. But I, there's a great quote from Arthur here, just from, a, from people in politics, okay? And Arthur said back in 2011, and he never spoke publicly, ever, the most overwhelming fact of politics is what people do not know. In politics, it's what you perceive to be true that's true, not truth. If I tell you one thing is true, you will believe the second thing is true. A good politician will tell you a few things that are true before he will tell you a few things that are untrue because you will then believe the things that he said, true and untrue. How telling is that? And guess when he said that in 2011. It's quite – and look, I don't want to defend it. It's just – it's just a fact, you know. That's just unfortunately the way, in many cases, the way the American psyche is, and good political people understand that. And you know, we kind we that's what we have these days. You know, we have just this muddled, muddled truth, truthiness. Look, the, the, yeah, <laughs> and, you, and we have we have and we have a president that is just trying to dictate the message and 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 the the conversation every second. I did this. I did that. I accomplished this. I accomplished that. Without once most successful presidency most in history, success, please. None of it is true. It is all blatant lies. The president knows its lies. His, his administration knows its lies, and they keep doing it over and over again because the truth no longer matters in this in, in this administration. And quite frankly, it's 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 starting to erode. I think how many people sort of go about their I mean go about their lives. It's it's just getting ugly. So Phil, our spin award of the week, I'm awarding it to Rabbi Shmuley, Shmuley Botech out there, okay, famously taking selfies in Steve Bannon's office, revealed the whiteboard of promises to make. And when Steve Bannon is out the door, it's kinda like don't let the door hit you on the way out. Rabbi Shmuley says, Bannon and I aren't close buddies. And you know, basically, is that what he said? That's what he said, folks. That's what he said. And you know, don't no problem with taking selfies with his arm around him. But on the selfies. but on the way out, you know, goodbye, good riddance. Wow. Thank you very much for listening to Spin Class this week. Uh, Michael Friggin and Phil Goldfeder here on the Nachum Siegel Network. See you next week. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs.